This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by FlipHolders.com. Meet their patent-pending FlipGrip Hygienic Electronic Toothbrush Holder. It is their new and innovative way to solve a daily issue, keeping your electric toothbrush handle and their charger base free of toothpaste residue and mold. Trust me, this has been a life-saving invention here within my own household. I have always had this issue with my electric toothbrush and now with our family toothbrushes. And the worst part is that last minute you have company coming over, the last thing you think to check is that charger base resulting in the sticky mess. The Flip Grip Holder is a simple and elegant solution to the common bathroom issue, and their holder holds all electric toothbrushes, which equals no more mess. Make sure you order today at flipholders.com and make sure to follow them on Instagram at flipholders. If you're ready to order, make sure you check out on my link in my bio on little cute one AZ Instagram. They are listed now as one of my favorites in my Amazon storefront. Order today and get rid of that sticky mess and the common bathroom issue. Don't have one more thing to clean that you need to take care of in your bathroom. Make sure you order today at flipholders.com. Welcome to Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life Podcast, here with your host, Little. I'm very excited for our guest today. This is Sach in Motion. Better yet, his name is Sach Lottie. I was scrolling on Instagram. Yes, I am one of the guilty ones that do this all the time, especially late at night when I have insomnia, I can't sleep, and my mind is racing. And that brought me to this amazing guest that I have on with us today. He is a retired law enforcement officer that when the pandemic coincided with crises in his personal life, he took up running to manage mental health. Now he's off and running and hit the pavement in committing to raising money and awareness for law enforcement and mental health. Sit back and let's feed your soul with today's episode. And let's ask every one of ourselves, how much are we allowing our focus to be coincided with our fear of failure? Sit back and let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast with your host, Little. We do a lot of conversations on this podcast about mental health awareness, but I think it's really important not only to talk about mental health, but what we're choosing to do for our mental health and just for ourselves in the process. I have an amazing guest with me on today. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. You guys have seen him on my social media. I've been dropping a little breadcrumbs here and there, but I have a guest on and I'm super excited to have this episode with you. So welcome on. How are you today? I'm great. Um, my name is Sach Lati, and uh, I'm a Canadian law enforcement officer and veteran. And yeah, thank you for having me on your show and, and, and giving me some space to share my story. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. It's such an honor to have you. When we look at your social media, you are very passionate. You always kind of seem to think outside the box and you are very vulnerable and show us true life of what's really going on behind the scenes. Being that you are based in law enforcement and veteran, when we talk about mental health, it's definitely something that has to kind of go in conjunction with that kind of lifestyle. So seeing your social media, um, when the pandemic coincided, 
you started running. That was your way of kind of just checking out, but checking in at the same time. Give us a little bit of backstory about that. Absolutely. So um, I'm 45 and I hadn't ran since high school. (laughs) And uh, and for your listeners, I went to high school in Texas, actually. Really? Yeah, I went to Plano Senior High. Uh, I used to live in Plano. I went to Plano. But having said that, um, so I was married. Um, right before the pandemic, I was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was presented with the type of person I was at that time and I wasn't super happy with it. Um, I, I would say I was probably the squeaky wheel in that marriage and I hadn't addressed a lot of my own sort of struggles, mental health issues. Um, even before I got married, I didn't even think I had any, but mm-hmm. what the pan, what the pandemic did was reveal, uh, um, some issues that I had and, and um, gave me the opportunity to address them. And so up, I live in Vancouver, Canada, and up here during the pandemic, um, certain things were limited in terms of physical activity. So I wasn't able to train like I would normally would go to the gym. And i uh, an avid jiu-jitsu kind of guy. I, I Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, as much as I could uh, during that time. And so that uh, that all stopped, and I was really suffering quite a bit in terms of my anxiety and depression because of, you know, the divorce, and then financially, and then work issues. It was kind of like all kind of culminating together, and really knocked me down. And um, so I decided to put on some shoes and start running, and kind of started the journey there. And um, that's kind of the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. The pandemic really affected us all in different ways, but I feel like you said it really brought out who we were at that specific time. I think a lot of us kind of got into this, you know, routine and schedule of my life is the way it is. And we just kind of get stuck in that rut. And I think that the pandemic really ripped a lot of us out of that rut, but in almost a very scary way, we had to really face who we were for the first time. And also, like you said, at that same time of not having that social interaction, like we're used to, and almost being closed off, we only had ourselves in that moment, which when we think about it, how many of you listeners have you, have you sat down and really sat by yourself? We don't do that, especially before the pandemic. It didn't happen. We didn't have the need to. We didn't have the desire or the drive to. So I think it's something, especially, you know, with fitness and the gyms being closed and that aspect of a getaway being taken away from us, it really forced us to sit in our mental headspace, which, like I said, is very scary to do. And you picked up running, which I honestly, I think that would probably be the last thing on my mind that would actually help me out. Yeah. Well, so to that point, um, yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> the last thing that came to my mind, but I was really struggling. And, um, you know, I didn't like the person I was at that time. And um, so I didn't really know how to get out of the ditch that I created for myself, to be honest. And I was struggling to find ways to get out of that ditch. And I was doing a ton of different things. In terms of uh, trying to help myself, you know, I was seeing a psychologist. I was, um, you know, as much as I could, I was seeing the psychologist. I ended up getting medicated because I did actually have a major depressive episode during that time. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of things was kind of happening. And for me, I, I didn't know how to start to kind of put pieces together. So I just bought a, cu- I bought a book and I started reading. And uh, I, I picked up uh, Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you're listeners, I'm sure most of your listeners probably know who Jocko Willink is, but uh, he's a retired Navy SEAL and uh, leadership trainer and, and, and things of that nature. And um, so I read that book cover to cover and I started 
I started owning some of my responsibilities that I kind of created, like some of the issues in my life. Actually, if I were to take a step back and think about it really objectively, I created all the issues in my life because no one else really creates them, right? Mm -hmm. And so I created all my issues and I was it gave me an opportunity to start owning that and owning my responsibilities, owning um, the damage that I caused my ex-wife and family and all these different types of things gave me an opportunity to do that. But, um, you know, I wasn't fixed after reading that book <laughs> and, and who gets fixed. Right. So I, I started kind of putting pieces together and then, um, I bought another book called, uh, can't hurt me, David Goggins. Mm -hmm. And I read the first two chapters and that was it. And, um, I still haven't even finished the book to be honest. But what I got out of that book was do hard things. And so hard things for me, you know, I probably should have finished the book because there's probably a <laughs> lot more in there that I, I, I can interpret much more. But I, um, I started, so how I interpreted hard things was running. And since high school, I hated running. I was never good at it. And um, I dreaded it. Even on my, I was on the high school wrestling team in Plano, Texas, at Plano Senior High. And um, I was the worst runner on the team. Like straight up, like I was the last person. Everyone's like, everyone was much better than me. So I, I remembered that and I was like, okay, let's, let's put on some shoes and, and see what happens. So I kind of started scheduling myself kind of small kind of runs to do and everything kind of unfolded from there. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to why we're on today. You are making some big moves. You've been all over, especially with interviews and news. I mean, it's, it's amazing because what you're doing is 22 marathons in 22 days. That is mind-blowing to me. How is that even possible? Where did you even get started? Like, bring us mm. on this path with you. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, so uh, like I said, I work in law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement for the last 18 years and um, canine handler. And um, so I was going through all this stuff and you know, I just started kind of running. And for me, I've always kind of thought I was an athlete and, you know, fairly um, disciplined when it came to doing things um, and setting plans to execute against. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I just set myself up to do three, five K, uh, three, three mile runs each week, right? Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I would do that. And, you know, at that time I was a bit heavier. I was more of a bodybuilder type of size, you know, I was probably about 10, 15 pounds bigger than I am now. And so it was a struggle. I would just do this three miles and it was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And and keep like, put things in perspective. I, I was wearing shoes that were probably 10 years old. You know, I didn't buy all the kit and, you know, have be prepared. I wasn't prepared. I just kind of just started. But fortunate for me, I'm um, obsessive and I kind of go all in when I do things. And so I just got after it and I kind of kept doing that and, and, oh, I'm kind of a loner to a certain degree. Like I don't really, um, I have friends in that, but I, I don't really relate to a ton of different people. So especially in the workplace when I was working, it's had some issues relating to people in, in general. And um, so that also contributed to my depression and whatnot. But through this process of running, it really kind of even isolated me a little bit more because no one was doing what I was like. No, that's not true. There are people doing what I'm doing or, and tons of people can do it a lot better, but I wasn't just reaching out or connecting with anyone. I was just kind of in my own world doing a thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I did that. And over a period of time, I kept pushing myself. <laughs> so let's say within like two or three months of starting running, 
um, you know, I had a, I had a really bad day at work and, uh, I came home. And so in the Vancouver area, it's very, pro uh, very expensive, uh, purchasing houses and whatnot. And so mm -hmm. at the time, uh, I moved into the basement suite of the house that I, we bought with my ex-wife. So we have rental suites uh, up here that people can rent. So I moved into that and started renting out. So for me, that, you know, wasn't ideal either for me or my ex-wife, but we made do with the environment because certain circumstances, um, didn't was it wouldn't have been ideal for me to move out at that time mm -hmm. but made my mental health worse and so i had a bad day at work i had a bad day when i got home um it was raining and it was terrible out and i was like man i gotta do something and so i just put on my shoes and went for a run and um you know i had planned to run 13 miles and um just to kind of see if i could do it within you know probably two or three months of starting this running thing and I did. So I just kind of kept pushing myself. It took me like three hours. Like I wasn't in great shape or anything for running. And it was, you know, my efficiency was terrible. Like all, all around, it wasn't like, it was more of a mental thing for me to do just to kind of see if I could do something. And, and as soon as I finished that, I, it did. It gave me some, um, gave me confidence, gave me some self-worth, gave me, gave me a bunch of things. And the reason why is because no one told me to do that thing. I just went up and did it and I did something I never thought in a million years I would ever do like ever. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of felt good, like maybe 2% good. <laughs> and I thought, you know, how do I do more of this? But, you know, I kind of wanted to kind of get after it a bit more. So I did that and then I started planning more challenges for myself. And I think in February of 2021, maybe in January of 2021, I had heard uh, Cameron Haynes, uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast mm -hmm. and Cameron Haynes is an ultra endurance athlete. He's in his fifties. He's a bull hunter and, uh, all around pretty legit guy, as you can kind of see from a social media perspective. And so what really intrigued me about him was that he would run a marathon a day while training for an ultra marathon. And these ultra marathons that he would do would be a hundred miler or 200 miler. And I was like, Holy, this guy's working full time. How is he able to run? 26 miles every single day working full time doing all these things and, and I, I just thought that was awesome mm -hmm. so i was like okay i, I want to be able to do something like that how do i how do i do that so in february of 2021 i set a challenge for myself i wanted to see if i could run 13 miles every single day for a week right and um now i pr had to progressively increase to that because i i like that was a daunting task in and of itself for me at that time um, so I started with, now I'm going to give you some kilometers cause I don't know what the mileage equation rate is. So, mm -hmm. um, I started at 11 kilometers a day. So I think that's in and around uh, seven miles, something like that. And every week I would add an additional kilometer. So after a 10 week period, uh, 10 week sort of programming phase, I got to 21 kilometers a day, which is 13 miles. And I did that. For seven days, uh, I was working full time. I was running my dog. I was trying to take care of my daughter. I was going through all the things, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I still did that. So after I did that, man, I was like, holy, okay, I did that. Now, for your listeners, this might, okay, so I made an immediate connection from running half a marathon to, oh, okay, I can run across Canada. Um, I made that sort of an immediate connection uh, two years ago. And now for your listeners and, for your American listeners, um, why is that a big deal? 
Okay, so uh, Canada from coast to coast is 7,300 kilometers. Uh, I don't know, five or 6,000 miles, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of going up Mount Everest seven times, up, down, up and down seven times. Wow. And so now in Canada, there was a man named Terry Fox. Have you heard of that guy? Yes. Okay. So Terry Fox um, was a cancer patient in 1980s, early 80s, and he was 21, 22, 23, and around that time. And uh, his cancer took one of his legs. And uh, he ended up getting treatment, and, and he would stay at the BC Children's Hospital. And very, he's from the same area I live in, so he's um, so he would have uh, you know be at these hospitals, see these other children suffering with cancer, and he was like, "Oh man, I got to do something about this." And he was inspired to do something. What he created forty years ago was something called the Marathon of Hope, and he wanted to raise a dollar for every Canadian at the time to donate to cancer research and so he started running across canada on one leg with a prosthetic from 40 years ago which was not ideal <laughs> with no with no fanfare him and his buddy got a van and he made it halfway across the country so he made it almost 3,000 uh let's say about 4,000 kilometers 3,500 kilometers on one leg and um he died um, his cancer came back and he ended up passing away in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And, um, and, but the, the reason why it's a, an important thing or, or, or a notable thing is that since he's been dead in his name, over 40, uh, over, over $1 billion has been raised in cancer research since his passing. So, so it's a, so in Canada, Terry Fox and running across Canada is a thing, right? They have statues of this guy in, in, in Canada. It's, it's, it's a thing here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I made that connection. Oh, if I can run half a marathon, I can run across Canada. And um, now, so that's what kind of got me started even thinking even more. So then I started, kept training, and I wanted to then raise some money. I want to, I could kind of see some positivity starting to happen. And I wanted to leverage what I was doing for some positivity. And we have a charity here in, in Canada called the Royal Canadian Legion. And the Legion uh, supports all veterans and, and uh, with uh, whatever issues that they have. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I linked up with the local Legion of my province. And provinces in Canada are equivalent to states. And um, I ended up training to run 100 kilometers on November 7th, 2021. And I ran from a town called Chilliwack, BC, to the Vancouver airport. And I ran that in just under 15 hours and raised $21,000 for the BC Yukon Legion, which helps support veterans and, and some first responders with PTSD. And so that was on November 7, 2021. And uh, November 8, 2021, I had a significant paradigm shift in perspective. I, I, um, I knew I didn't want to work in law enforcement anymore. I just didn't know how exactly I was going to transition out. And so then I got even more depressed. <laughs> so I did, I just had done a thing and now I'm like even more like, Oh my God, like I can't relate to any of my friends and most of my friends in the last 18 years, we just don't even hang out anymore. Don't even talk. So, and no, it's no, it, no one's fault. It's just, you know, things just happen. So I was, uh, <laughs> Man, this is and this is where the actual story actually really takes a 
real skyrocket here. I um I ended up I was on social media quite a lot, and I ended up uh, uh, coming across a guy named Sean Taylor. And Sean Taylor um, was a t retired Tier One operator and uh, Special Forces. Um, and he was so Canada for your listeners and. I'm pretty sure your listeners don't know this because most of the Canadians don't know this. Um, Canada has a special forces unit called JTF2, Joint Task Force 2. And it's the equivalent of C SEAL Team 6, right? It's that the same sort of same sort of caliber. And my friend Sean Taylor, he's a veteran and he's retired and he's almost 60. And he was on the teams when it was created in uh, 30 years ago. So he was selected when the team was first created to be on that team. So um, I was like, oh, cool, man. I want to, like, I saw him on social media and he had kind of followed me a little bit based upon what I had done. Mm -hmm. And um, we just kind of chatted a bit. And um, I was like, oh, cool, man. Like, maybe, maybe I can connect with this guy. And so this guy lives about 10 hours drive from where I live. He lives in the mountains in a town called Rossland, BC. And um, so, anyways, long story short, he was in the Vancouver area in, in December of 2021. And I ended up meeting up with him for a coffee and it ended up turning out to be like a three hour conversation. And, um, I felt a connection. I felt like, uh, like, uh, someone I could relate to. And, um, so after the meeting, I was like, Hey man, uh, can we keep talking? Cause, uh, it's kind of nice to talk to someone you can relate to. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, man, if you think it's going to help. So then from what happened there, um, Almost every single day for three months, we would Zoom call for two or three hours a day. And um, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't say this lightly, but he saved my life. And um, <clears throat> um, so what I ended up finding out, not only was a tier one operator, which is, you know, um, pretty cool in and of itself, but after he retired, he became an entrepreneur and he did a bunch of other things, you know, contract work and whatnot. And then he eventually, uh, in his early 40s, became a endurance athlete. And he ended up started, uh, <laughs> he started mountain biking, right? And I didn't know this was a sport. I, I know mountain biking is a sport, but what he told me that he does, <laughs> he does 24-hour mountain bike solo races. So where you're riding your bike for 24 hours in the mountains, getting after it real hardcore and and trying to win a race so i didn't know that was a thing and so he brought that to my attention so he became a world champion in that sport and then he also through that process became an elite performance coach and he ended up training six world champions and um, thousands of other athletes all over the world so uh, it was very serendipitous that we connected because there's a lot of alignment there so um, what ended up happening over a two or three month period, he performance coached me out of where my mental state was and helped me refine my why and my purpose and kind of turn down that white noise that everyone kind of has. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I, I figured out or I identified my why, refined it. And then in January 2022, I set a goal to run nine ultra marathons in nine months. And, and then I just got after it and I kept moving and that's kind of where we're at now. Um, really. So this 22 marathons that we're talking about in August, mm -hmm. um, there's a few reasons why it's 22. One is 22 is because it highlights the number of suicides by veterans in the United States. That was study was done in 2011. 
And if you were to incorporate first responders and um, paramedics, firefighters, like all everyone, and then if you were to include North like Canada as well, you're looking at that number being way higher. Yeah. So um, for me, I, I wanted to highlight that number. But also running across the province is another way for me to continue training because it's a really a training. Um, it's really for training because my goal is to break the record for the fastest run across Canada in 2025. Mm-hmm. So right now, my goal is to continue training 2025, kick across Canada and see if I can run 7,300 kilometers in 66 days. And that is, would equate to about, I don't know, 70, 80, it's about 80 miles a day for 66 days. So that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> and, I, and I'm do, and I'm, I'm doing all of this to raise money for a charity that I've selected that um it's called the arno house society and this charity support it's a small charity has one employee it's based here in the vancouver area and they um they support all veterans first responders emergency personnel anybody in uniform and that includes any american that comes up here that needs any help they can get it too so if someone's up here you know whatever the case may be and something happens they need somewhere to stay they can go call these guys up and stay there they have a, a pretty much a massive house that has all food everything that you need has five you can pretty much have five families stay in it mm-hmm. and the money that i'm raising continuously um, is also going towards an, a ranch that they are building about four hours from here with 10 cabins, with cutting edge treatment, equine therapy, and everything that members would need to help them get back in, on their feet and, and continue doing the work that they love. <clears throat> I love that you're coordinating your running because you're really progressing in the goals that you have and once you meet that. But it's also the same when you correlate it to mental health because it is a progression. Like you said, there is no fix. There's no book that you can take. There's no medication that you can take and you're instantly cured and fixed. It is a progression and it's something where, you know, you have to treat your mind almost as like, you know, the muscle. It is an injury. You have to take care of it. And if something happens, it's okay to take a couple steps back. I think so many people within, you know, the law enforcement community, first responders, veterans, they feel that they've failed if they take step back, you know, a couple of step backs in that progression. And it's absolutely normal. It's just human nature. We're never going to be 100% perfection, especially with how we see ourselves versus how other people see ourselves. So I think my big question, and I know a lot of listeners are going to be thinking that right now, how do we donate? How can we Mm -hmm. help or watch this journey with you? Um, Yeah, so I have all the platforms. (laughs) So I have Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, a website. So the website is uh, suchinmotion.ca. Um, my Instagram is at such.in.motion. My YouTube is such in motion and my TikTok such in, such in motion. Now, so there's a, I have an ultimate vision, right? So I'm not just kind of doing this thing just to kind of, you know, be done after I run across Canada. This is my life now. So I'm transitioning out of work. I'm going to hopefully by the end of this year, I have left my employment and doing this 100% full time. And um, my vision is to create a platform on YouTube over the next five, six, ten years that um, can generate an income, mm-hmm. but can also, uh, you know, inspire, motivate people that watch it. Um, maybe also have a bit of fun while they're watching it, and and then also the money that we generate through that platform will be reinvested into local community or any sort of charities that may need it. So for your listeners, this might sound like pie in the sky, but if you have a million subscribers on YouTube, that generates five or $600,000 per year. Mm-hmm. And if you're generating, so for me, I don't need that much money. I mean, I could pay myself 
whatever, you know, like a hundred K or 50 or whatever is reasonable within that, the amount. And then the rest of it goes into the, the community and building the channel. So my goal is to continuously helping honor house society because they're only in one province, the province that I live in. The goal for the president of the charity also wants to have one in every single province. So, you know, what I'm doing is really a 10 and 15 year goal, right? And running across Canada and all these runs are just the means to execute against. I'm just a tool to kind of force multiply what we're doing. And then, um, and I, uh, for me, I'm always, I love doing this stuff, man. Like I love put myself in these kind of scenarios where, you know, it's tough and I have to grind it out, but I also want to show people that it's tough and you got to grind it out. So it's going to be super authentic. You know, I want to just be able to show that. And, um, and I also want to be able to highlight Americans do it. Amazing. You guys do it really good in terms of like highlighting the awesome people in your country. Our country doesn't do that. And I would love to be able to highlight the amazing people that we have in, in Canada and at least provide Canadians a um, an option to see that there's levels to the game and that you can aspire to be something greater than just doing whatever. So um, that's kind of the vision over the next little while. I love that. You have a goal, but I like that you're adapting and, and kind of changing and especially doing it for the community. I think that's very important, especially when you're shifting out of being in law enforcement. So many of those that are in law enforcement, first responders, it's, it becomes your identity. And so when you lose that, you lose a sense of self. So oh, I love yeah. that you're kind of diving in and finding out. I mean, I come from a, a blue line family and it's something yeah. where, you know, once that is completed, it's always that concern of what's next? What am I supposed to do? This is all I've ever known. So yeah. we're doing this, especially for mental health and those that are listening, because there's always another option and you just have to have the mindset and the empowerment of yourself. Community is great. Support systems are great. But like you said, you were alone in a lot of this process and doing it yourself and doing the grind, which is what you have to do in order to make it work. No, for sure. And I think what's important for, at least for me, what I kind of saw for myself is identifying my why and refining it. So for example, like most people in law enforcement, why do they go into law enforcement? There's a reason, right? Mm -hmm. They want to help their community. They want to be, you know, there's a positive sort of slant to it, right? And sometimes when we're in law enforcement over a 10, 15, 20, 25 year, uh, year career, we forget it or, or, or the traumas that we experience or things that we see might diminish or, or, or lower the volume of our why in our head. So for me, I've just raised that volume up again. And for me, it's like I, I have a couple skills. I recognize how I speak. I recognize how I look. I recognize that I can get after it and I'm disciplined. So mm -hmm. all I need to do is just refine that and figure out where I can put that energy and then still continue serving the community the best way I can. So now I maybe, you know what, to be honest, I've refined what my community is. And my, my community, I used to think it was just the people around me and my family. And the reality is it's the planet, right? Why, like for me, this is how I think. Why do I have to like, you know, delineate who I help? I don't get to decide. I don't decide that. Just like in law enforcement, if someone's down there and something happens to them, you don't get to decide who you're going to help. Right. You help you help them because that's your job. Now, after the fact, if they've let's say, for example, it was 
here's an example. Someone just steals something, a criminal, drug dealer, whatever it is, and they get shot. Okay, we're just going to let them die? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to provide care and make sure that they survive. Yeah, and then after the fact, then you discuss whatever needs to happen with them in terms of the laws that are broken. But we don't want – like I personally – and, like, and I'm, I'm not a saint, man. I used to be an asshole. Like I used to think a certain way. I used to act certain ways. And I, and I had certain mentalities, but I think um, – I think it's important, at least for me, to be as compassionate as I possibly can be now because um, because I think it's the right way to do things. I like that. It's finding the compassion first before the challenge. Like you said, you don't get to choose who you help, especially, you know, in this generation of social media. We're reaching a lot more people than we even are aware behind the scenes. So you never know who is watching, who's following, who's listening, but also who you're helping when it may just be a simple task of you just woke up today and you were just apparently, you know, sharing anything on your story or your social media. So I love that you're willing to look at the community and make it fit how you feel that you have a way to help them versus being that forceful fit that I think so many try if I have to do this, I have to help people. You can do it in small ways that you may not even know. 100%. 100%. So a friend of mine, I think it was Sean, actually, Sean Taylor, mentioned this to me. He goes, hey, it's either you're helping or you're not. It's a binary decision, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't, the scale in which you help isn't, is, it doesn't matter. It's either you're helping or you're not. And if you, so I decided I wanted to be a helper not a mm-hmm. whiner or a complainer and and a lot of people in the law enforcement community myself included would do that a lot mm-hmm. and then we would blame someone else or we say oh this person's not doing this and so i got to the point where it's like oh that's all victim mentality stuff and so for me i wanted to get away from that victim mentality because that's what that is like oh that person didn't do this for me that person didn't do that okay whatever I started thinking, okay, I'm going to take control of everything in terms of like, what can I, I can only control myself, right? And what can I do to make whatever I have an issue with better? And that's kind of what I started doing. I took control of my skills. I took control of myself and I set a plan and I set a goal, irrespective of anyone else contributing whatsoever. This is all me, this whole thing. Now, 100% I've had a ton of support and a ton of help along the way, but that, it took about a year and a half to get that support. I was doing all of it alone, grinding alone and doing all the things. And now it's like, oh, wow. Like, honestly, I'm so humbled by the um, support, by the encouragement, by I mean, I'm talking to you. You're in Texas, man. Like, I haven't been in Dallas for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's pretty yeah. crazy, right? And it's mm-hmm. pretty amazing mm-hmm. that we can connect through virtually and be able to share our stories and ideas and be able to help people along time and space, not even just community-wise. So, like, maybe someone listens to this and is like, puts on a pair of shoes and does something. I don't know. Maybe that happens. And that's pretty legit, man. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing what you can set your mind to when you have something where you're kind of at that crossroad of what path you're going to take. I mean, my podcast just turned a year old and I 
didn't even see myself where I was even a year ago now. It was something where I'm like, oh, I enjoy doing something, but you know, my support system forced me and pushed me to try. It was literally supposed to be one or two episodes and it was, okay, I did it. Are you happy now? Can I be done? And it's turned into three seasons, 87 episodes. I mean, it's been amazing, but it came from that crossroad too of, you know, I was kind of in this spot in my life where I just, I wasn't happy with myself. And I received a medical diagnosis that, you know, the the medical community said, you know, this is, this is it. And this is what you have to deal with for the rest of your life, which led to depression. It led to me feeling like everything I've ever known and everything I've been really good at, I don't know if I can, or I want to do that path anymore. But instead of sitting in that moment with myself, I'm like, I can either choose, like you said, to do the grind, do the hard work. And it's okay to sit there and focus on your plan and come up with something and not have your support system involved. I mean, I think probably in the beginning, if I would have thrown this idea out of, I'm going to talk to somebody in Canada and get my family's person would be like, you're crazy. Like this is a hobby. And I think that's a, such a huge issue in the community and society is we don't look at people's strengths as something that they could go and really fulfill their passion. We tend to almost set it on the side of continue what you're doing. This is a hobby or do this on the side. And if you're listening and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm at that cross point. I'm not really sure what to do next. Dive in. There, it's scary and it's really hard, but if you know it's going to help your mental health and it's going to help you find a different route that makes you happy and passionate, what do you have to lose at this point? A hundred percent agree with that one. Actually, one thousand percent. And here's why: um, I think most people do their jobs as a second or third string. It's mm-hmm. their second or third choice. Because they have to find stability, a pension, and this, that, and the other. And the reality is most people I speak to in law enforcement, mm, I'd say that's probably like a, a, you know, a thing that's at the forefront. Oh, I get a pension. It's secure. It's stable. This, that, and the other. And that's great. But, you know, I think maybe we're doing the thing for the wrong reason. But anyways, having said that, I think the passion is what is paramount. At least for me, I have a six-year-old daughter. or well, she'll be six in a few weeks. And for me, I I would like to be able to contribute um, with her upbringing in a manner that my parents didn't do for me. Mm -hmm. And what their mindset was, was you got to get a job because they're immigrants, right? You got to get a job and do this, do this, do this, do this. And, you know, at the end of the day, that didn't feed my soul, right? Mm -hmm. And it left me empty. Hence, all the um, things that I did to satisfy myself. I would drink all the time or I would... You know, I was, I had infidelity. I was like all these different types of things that were trying to feed me or at least make me feel a certain way. Um, at least this, that's how I've observed it over the last little while. And now that I've, I've kind of refined my why and actually identified my passion and I'm going all in towards it, man, I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. And look, I, don't get it twisted. I'm not like perfect. Like, you know, you know, the metrics that I kind of assess they're not where I want them all to be, but they're all trending in the direction that I want them to go. So with me, that's like, um, let's say if you have a compass and you shoot the bearing, as long as the bearing is in the right direction, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there, right? It can take me 10 years. It's good, man, because the journey is what's going to really help me and fuel me because now I'm on the path that I need to be on. And I get to meet people like you and I get to have experiences. And and, and instead where my life, I used to think I just had to endure it and like you just manage through life. And man, I'm 45 and most of my life is like 43 years has been, okay, uh, life kind of sucks, 
you have some times and some moments of happiness, but whatever. It's supposed to suck and you just kind of do your thing. I had it twisted, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now that I see it, like, um, it's about experiences. So now I try to like tackle every experience and see what I can learn from it, see how I can be better for it, see how I can enjoy those experiences. And it helps me stay in the moment a lot more, man, because my anxiety is ridiculous. Like I'll either think about the past and beat myself up or I'll think about the future and think about, Oh shit, I got to do this thing and I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And then my internal self dialogue is going to be like, you're a loser. You can't do that. Who are you going to like, like I'm, I'm not a runner. I just started running two years ago and I'm talking about breaking the record for the fastest run across Canada in two more years. You know, odds are against me, but you know what? Who cares? Go all in, see what happens. Yeah. But, but you know what? I mean, here's the thing. This is what I do now. Will I break the record? Mm, I don't know. Will I get close? Hmm, there's a chance of that. And will I impact a lot of people? 1,000%. Will I raise a ton of money? 100% for sure. So the breaking the record is whatever. It happens, it happens. That's like cherry on the top. But if I can run across Canada and run like 50 miles a day or 60 miles a day, it, you know, that's still ridiculous. I wasn't even doing any of that like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So for me and <laughs> – why this is so impactful for me is because I hated running. <laughs> I was terrible at it. Like you talk to some of my, my friends in D- Dallas, like the, my high school friends, they'd be like, bro, you're still, you're running? Like you, you were not good. <laughs> so it's like anything is possible if you're passionate about something and you go all in. And, and this is not a secret, right? Like everybody who's achieved a certain level of something, mm-hmm. that's all, that's what they all Keep saying, identify your why, your purpose, because when it gets hard, you'll keep reminding yourself of that thing. So for me now, training and running every single day, it's not even about me. It's, it's greater than me. So I have an obligation. This is my job now. So I've reframed everything that it's not an activity. I'm a professional athlete now, just like you're a professional podcaster. As soon as you get that, that's what you say. You reframe everything. As soon as you put that lens on it, and it, so what it, I go on tangents, so don't mind me. So <laughs> okay. what I mean by that, so when I talk to people, I don't even say I work in law enforcement anymore. I don't even say it. The reason why is this. Not because I'm not proud of it or anything. As soon as I say that, every question, everything is tainted with the lens of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So they want to know all this kind of stuff. Man, I, that's cool. I don't care anymore. I'm doing this thing now. So I have to say I'm a professional athlete. And then it opens up a whole new realm of questions. And then I can give... Uh, my perspectives on those things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the fear of failure, I always tell people, especially, you know, working with up and coming people that want to open a podcast and start one, they don't even know where to start. So I help and consult them as well. The fear of failure removes your focus. I always tell people that every single day I could wake up and be afraid of, you know, anything and everything in, in, in between. But if you have the fear of failure, it takes over your focus. And so I love how you're stating, you know, this is what I can do. Am I going to do it? Maybe. Could I fail? Maybe, but you're allowing that area for your mental health and for yourself to really learn through the process and really enjoy the experiences as they come. And I think that that's such a huge mental shift that so many of us are stuck in because we feel like you said, my life sucks. It has to suck. It doesn't. You choose that every day. You choose to either better yourself, better your life and those around you or to stay in that constant structured routine. It doesn't have to deal with money. I mean, we all struggle and we, we, 
I mean, we all could use more money. It's just the way that, that it is. But it's finding that passion. And like you said, enjoying those moments and finding when those arise, how you got to that moment to actually enjoy the work that you put in. A hundred percent. Like, um, I, and to be honest, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation because we're two people that are, you know, I'd say we're aligned in a certain way of thinking. And, and, um, it's an awesome thing to be able to do, to have a conversation with someone who, you know, we don't have to think a hundred percent the same, but it, there's an alignment there that we can share ideas. And you know what? We are probably very different. We probably grew up very different, but there's so many similarities that it's like, you can't deny that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what the human experience is supposed to be, at least in my perspective. And over the last year, I've been traveling quite a bit for races and, and meeting with people and podcasts. And man, we're so much more alike than we are different. Like, honestly, like I went on a podcast last year uh, um, in Toronto, Ontario. Um, it was run by uh, immigrant Somali kids. I thought, you know, we're not going to have anything in common. Bro, like, it was, it was awesome. Like, it was like there was a lot of similarities. Now I'm talking to you. You're in Texas. I mean, I used to live there, so there are similarities. But, I mean, still, the, the sense of, like, um, you know, just being able to connect with people, I think, okay, so I'll, what's really saved me in terms of my depression and and the, my life, yeah, the physical stuff has been great, and I've managed my mental health most of my life through that. But it's really this right here that's saving. And it's the service that's saving me. And it's the connection with people. And, man, connecting with people now I never used to be able to connect with people because I put a wall up all the time. And the way you see me now, I'm a different human than I was two years ago. Like absolutely different. You probably are. Oh, that guy's intimidating. I don't want to talk to him. He's kind of scary. But it's just, it's just you know, sometimes you, people put that wall up and they just kind of keep moving through life. And they don't. I never felt things. I would always block things. I would never feel it. Now I cry maybe three times a week. <laughs> 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 yeah, but anyways. It's showing that you're growing. And I think that so many of us think, you know, as children, we learn our behavior and we learn how we're supposed to be when we're grown up. And I always tell people, you're never grown up because when you say, oh, I'm a grown, you've stopped allowing your mind to learn and you've stopped seeing the world in just a different way. I've gotten stuck in that so many different times. It's always, I'm very stubborn. Imagine that. And it's always, you know, it's, it's my way or no way. And it's something yeah. where once you get involved in the community and see how you can help other people, you actually help yourself way before you help others. And you realize oh, you didn't man. even like, I've realized so many ways in doing this podcast of maybe I'm not like, I needed some help in this, this, and this. And I never even realized it because I was just, like you said, the wall was up yeah. and I didn't think I needed to fix anything. I thought I was here to just fix others. And I always tell people, do not let the fear of failure stop your focus because then you'll actually lose out on the time that you need to focus on yourself. No, for sure. And I think it's, it, no, I think, so what I've learned for me, I used to be that guy too. Oh yeah, you got to do this. Always doling out the advice, right? Mm -hmm. And now what I've kind of learned and what's helped me, because like when I was sitting with Sean, my friend, and he was kind of talking to me through Zoom, he had every, mm, every reason to tell me, you do this, do this, do this. And I would probably would have listened to him because he was probably the only person on the planet I would have listened to because of who he is and what he's done. And he was giving me the time and day. And in terms of like the stuff he's experienced, man, like it's like, okay, I can't really complain about nothing, right? 
And, um, but he would never talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. He talked to me like a buddy, like we're having a coffee and we're just chatting like we are now. And it was just sharing ideas, maybe giving some suggestions, not telling me what to do. And then me kind of going through that and seeing, picking and choosing what made sense for me as a person. Cause we're all different. We're all different. I can't, I can't be mad at some friend of mine who's not supporting what I'm doing because maybe they got a different thing going on and that's their own life and that's their own journey. And that's cool. Right. I'm over here. Now I understand those things a lot better now, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing a thing here and hopefully that helps people. And I know it's helping me and that's good enough. I do my best every single day, try to move in a direction that's righteous and let the cars fall (laughs) or chips fall where they may. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on and speaking with us. I'm going to put all your information, all of your socials in the bio, because I highly, highly suggest for listeners, if you're in that rut, get out of it. And it doesn't have to be, okay, next Monday I will, or in a week from now, or in a month now. Do small goals. Like he said, don't look so far into the future. It's just way too far. Think about today, what you can change today, and stop looking at the past. You can't change it. It's already done and over with. So what do you have today that you're facing and dealing with and embracing at the same time? So I appreciate you coming on and speaking with us. You're amazing. I cannot wait to see even the next year or two where you're at because your growth is just excelling over and over. So I'm very excited. I'll put all your information in the bio so everyone can follow and donate. And definitely in August, we can't wait to see where you go and how far you you run. So I'm very excited to see that. I just wanted to add a couple of things before we take off here. And I just want to say thank you for um, giving me some space to talk about what I'm doing and, and um, maybe help some people through that process. And I'd love to be able to come on again and maybe halfway I'm, when I'm done, the you know, yeah. the halfway through my run, you can see, you know, I can share how it's going and, you know, whatever, just uh, link up and stay in touch and, and thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you on and uh, keep in touch and see how you're doing. And like I said, follow the social media and follow the journey because like I said, there's nothing that he doesn't show you guys. He's very, very vulnerable and go along for the journey because you might learn something about yourself in the process. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow the little adventures on Instagram at little cute one AZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.